Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Happy Monday, everyone. J.C. Sherbert here with you inside the Gamecocks podcast. Hope all of you are doing well. Hope all of you enjoyed the open date this past weekend. I know I did. Got a chance to watch some football without uh, the stress, I guess, of watching the Gamecocks. And it is stressful sometimes, especially this year. And it's probably going to be that way uh, from here on out. Uh, This is just that type of year. I'm looking at probably a lot of competitive games uh, down the stretch and games that will hang in the balance and that will cause angst and consternation and hopefully at the end overwhelming joy uh, for many of you uh, because it's uh, going to be a challenge uh, looking at it. Um, You know, this is a weird, weird year, and I think we expected it. And here's what's weird and here's what's not weird. I I think in the weirdness category, you know, you're not going to know week to week outside of Alabama, uh, and, and I would include Clemson, and I'm going to include Ohio State in that too. Um, I, I would include Clemson, but more on that here in a second. Um, outside of those three teams, I, I think you're just never going to know what you're going to get, and and it's kind of been that way. I mean, you, you know, uh, we'll start with LSU and Auburn. Auburn dismantles the Bayou Bengals 48-11. to 11. Bo Nix threw for 300 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, they just dominated them, and uh, it was a it was a spanking. Uh, and you think you know South Carolina beat Auburn two weeks before. Uh, I know they got three interceptions, and people can point to that, but that's part of the game. You know, you can't throw three picks and and expect to win most of the time, and and they didn't. Uh, and then you know you you roll forward. They get a big win on the road at Ole Miss, probably a game they shouldn't have won, and then they come in and ambush LSU. Uh, and they kind of, you know, they play defense the right way uh, against those guys. I mean, that's kind of what uh, what you've got to do. Uh, and a, a big win for Gus Malzahn. You know, there was there was some hot seat talk kind of brewing in Auburn, as there always is. And then Gus finds a way, <laughs> and uh, and they move on and keep on keeping on. So that was a big win for Auburn. I know for some of you, it was a surprising result. Uh, you know, this is how weird it is. Like. The week of South Carolina LSU, I, I I pick games for fun, you know, here on the podcasts, uh, on radio shows, uh, JB and Goldwater, I pick every week uh, against the spread and then, you know, straight up and all that. And the week that Carolina <laughs> lost to LSU, I think I went 18 and two, um, only lost the Carolina game and then one more. Uh, and then this past week, I think I went two and eight. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, you can have a good week picking them and a bad week picking them, and uh, you just never know. Uh, I think the only non-surprise was Ole Miss's 54-21 win against Vandy in the SEC, uh, you know, in Florida and, and Missouri. I, you know, part of me thought Missouri was kind of on a roll. Florida hadn't played in a while, you know, but Kyle Trask was on the money. Um, kind of an ugly scene at halftime, Dan Mullen – you know, he, he's starting to get to that point where, you know, he's, he's kind of unpredictable a little bit. So it's kind of kind of one of those things. Uh, A&M and Arkansas, A&M's this week's opponent, a lot of offense in that football game, was not as close as maybe some other A&M-Arkansas games have been. Keep in mind, though, that game's usually in Arlington, Texas, where the Dallas Cowboys play. 
this year was in College Station. That was a demand by A&M. You know, you're coming to College Station this year. Uh, so they did it. Rakeem Boyd with 100 yards on the ground against them. Arkansas's offense did give A&M some trouble, especially late. But, you know, it was 42-17 to 17 before the Hawks came back. So, uh, you know, I, I thought it was a, a relatively impressive win for A&M, considering that Arkansas has given a lot of teams trouble. You know, Georgia just decided they were going to go run heavy against a run-heavy Kentucky team, and the outcome was kind of like I expected, 14-3 to 3 Georgia. It was 21 nothing last year, so they kind of just used the same recipe. Zamir White, 26 carries for 136 yards and a touchdown. Uh, very limited passing game uh, for Georgia in that football game. I, I You know, I think if you can go beat Kentucky like that, you can do it. Just go go ahead and do it um, If because you got Florida coming up this week, and that's obviously going to be a huge game in the SEC East down there in Jacksonville. And then Alabama, I watched Mississippi State. I kind of felt sorry for them, especially offensively. 41 to nothing, just shut out Mike Leach and the Pirate. And so I think, you know, when you when you look at kind of their situation right now, it's going to get probably get worse before it gets better. Uh, we seem to be a long way off from that opening week win over LSU. Um, and so that's just it's kind of what happens. So, I, you know, just looking at it, you know, it, it, it's outside of Bama in this league. Uh, it's just hard to say from week to week, and that includes Georgia and Florida, in my opinion. Um, for the life of me, I, I would not have expected Auburn to run that up like they did on, on Saturday. I mean, you're sitting there and it's 48-3, to and you're like, wow, that's unbelievable. Over in the ACC, got the chance to watch the Clemson game, watched most of it. I, I've watched Boston College several times this year, guys, and I, I think, you know, the quarterback they got, Jerkovich, uh, from Notre Dame, uh, is a good player. Uh, and he's kind of what they were missing a little bit, I think because uh, they're always pretty solid, you know, and he wasn't great on Saturday, don't get me wrong, but uh, he was good enough to keep them in the ball game and for them to have a big second half. Clemson came back very big. Uh, I mean, sorry, for BC to have a big first half, Clemson very big in the second half. Uh, ended up 448 to 275 in yards. DJ, DJ Ugalele, I think that's how you say it. I hope that's how you say it. I'm not trying to offend anybody here. Um especially that quarterback, uh, debut, 342 yards, two touchdowns. They did a good job of, you know, getting Travis Etienne totally involved. They got Notre Dame this weekend, and we'll talk more about that. Join the J.C. and Morgan podcast later this week, J.B. and Goldwater, and then right here as well. You know, and South Carolina didn't play Clemson this year, but I know you guys were watching them. I mean – Let's be honest. The, the, the team you keep up with after South Carolina is probably Clemson, unless you have, like, another favorite team. You know, say some people like grew up somewhere like they, they grew up in East Lansing, Michigan. So they pull for Michigan State, but they went to Carolina. So they're Carolina people first and foremost. That happens. But most of us that grew up in the old Palmetto State, if we're keeping up with another team, it's going to be Clemson. So that's why I mentioned them. And certainly that was a it was a big struggle. But uh, I think with Trevor Lawrence out and now out for the Notre Dame game, uh, it's going to be uh a little more challenging for the Tigers than maybe we once thought. Now, I'm not – I am not. I don't know who I'm going to pick in that game Saturday. Uh, at times, Notre Dame has been wholly unimpressive to me this year, even though they're undefeated. Uh, it is in South Bend. They do have to wake up the echoes to win this one because uh, I still think Clemson's awfully, awfully good. But, 
you know, you look at it, and, and I don't think right now with with Lawrence out, you could include Clemson in the safe bets. You know, you, you look at Ohio State, Alabama. You know, now Clemson gets gets Lawrence back, and he's good to go. Then, uh, yeah, all right, let's put him in there. If they beat Notre Dame, let's put him in there. But uh, right now, you know, I'm just looking at it. It's like, you know, I, I just don't know that even Clemson is 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 not vulnerable. Uh, in this year that we're having with all conference schedules and all that. And I think it's more, you know, I, I think when COVID hits a team, you know, right now, considering we haven't had like in the SEC, a slew of reschedules and there's still flexibility with that week between the 5th and the 19th of December, you know, COVID hits a team bad enough. They're just going to reschedule the game. Okay. And, sh- and shuffle the schedule, which is, that's what it's designed to do. Okay, so I, I don't know that COVID necessarily, you know, outside of Vanderbilt who got really hit by it hard and have, has, they haven't recovered uh, with opt-outs and COVID and all that. I, I don't know that it's necessarily COVID that's 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 taken their toll on some teams or causing some uneven performances. I, I think it's the all-conference schedule. I mean, I, I just think, you know, you're LSU, you get a big win, you get up off the mat, you got to turn right around and go to Auburn who – you know, needs a big win themselves. And, and these are all in the SEC, um, very talented teams. And, and I think, you know, I'm not about to say the ACC is as tough of a deal as the SEC, but but you, you sort of look there and, you know, here's Clemson. They go on the road, they destroy Georgia Tech 73-7. to uh, And then they get back up and, you know, Syracuse kind of gives them a game and they're flat, you know, but it's still a conference team, you know, it's not – Charleston Southern, um, you know, coming in there. Uh, and then BC comes in there, and they've played really solid football this season. And you got to start your backup quarterback. And, you know, BC's fired up, and they're a tough team, and they're going to play you hard. And I thought they had a pretty good defensive game plan, even though they gave up 450 yards. Uh, you know, Clemson made some adjustments. But, you know, I, I think it's the all-conference schedule that's sort of, you know, starting to to show you why they don't do that. And, and I think in looking back on it, uh, you know, I I think some of these teams, most of these teams in the country aren't built to go like that. They're built to have some, you know, for lack of a better term, cupcake games, you know, because we don't have exhibitions uh, in preseason in college football that we do in the pros. Now, we didn't have it in the pros this year, but um, I just think that, you know, that's causing some, you know, fatigue to set in, some unpredictable outcomes. It's hard. You know, once you get to the season, even as a fan or an analyst or a podcaster or whoever, the season starts going quickly. I mean, it goes fast, man. We're already in, what, week seven of the SEC? Uh, We're already at Florida, Georgia. Man, this has gone by exceptionally fast. Uh, And it's that way for student athletes as well. So I say all that to say this, and we'll circle it back to the Gamecocks. Um, because, again, if you want to hear me talk about the general college football, you can always get the J.C. and Morgan podcast. Did not have an episode last week because Mike had to go to Gainesville. So he had an up-close look at the brouhaha at the half down there on SEC Network Plus uh, or alternate. And um, I'm sure we'll talk about that this week on that podcast. But to, to talk about the Gamecocks, you know, you're at the point, too, where it's it's like, well, you know, you got A&M coming in. A&M's been hot since the opening two weeks of the season. They almost lost to Vandy, and then they had a game where, you know, they got kind of dismantled by Alabama, but they've come back, and they've won big win over Florida, uh, went on the road, beat Mississippi State, and then the win over Arkansas. So A&M's playing pretty well. 
Um, but you, but you kind of almost feel like too, you know, that maybe their time is a coming <laughs> in terms of, uh, you know, it, it, the game you may lose. Um, and, and I'm not predicting that. I'm just saying that, you know, you kind of look at it and how, you know, is A&M going to be able to keep up their level of play? Uh, just like I mentioned with all these other teams, I think that's exceptionally difficult uh, at times. And, and, you know, if you're the Gamecocks, I don't even, I think what you have to do is you got to play well yourself. Um, Kellen Mond has been very efficient lately. You look at that offense with the way they run it and throw it, the choice in play calling, and that's problematic for the way the Carolina defense is playing right now. I mean, you, you can't, you know, you can't get around that. I mean, that any other way. Um, now they're not a spread team. Uh, they're kind of a pro style team, which, you know, people can talk about being a little easier uh, to, to scheme up and all that. Uh, but I don't know, you know, they've got talent. Isaiah Spiller to me is an excellent running back. I've always kind of liked, um, you know, I've always kind of liked, I guess the, uh, you know, the, the, the game of Kellen Mond maybe better than most. Uh, and so, you know, I think a lot of him, he's had some games where he struggled on the road, especially. So, you know, we'll see how it works this weekend. South Carolina absolutely has to play better on defense. Um, there's a rumor on the big spur from a poster that actually, you know, has, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, say that he's right about this. Cause I don't, based on what I've been told, he's not, but, um, you know, I was talking about Luke Doty starting and I want to address the whole quarterback situation. First and foremost, you know, there, and there may be people some reading some things the wrong way, in the media uh, with, with kind of understanding exactly what Will Muschamp was saying. And I thought our guys on, on TBS did a good job of breaking it down and explaining it. But, you know, sometimes that's hard because you just don't, you know, you, you hear a coach say something and, and all that good stuff. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, it, it's not one of those things where they opened up the quarterback competition. The, the plan was from the beginning – to give Ryan Holinsky and Luke Doty a lot of reps during the open week because you don't have to prepare for a game. You know, how much, you know, how much more does Colin Hill really need to know? Uh, and so they were going to do that and kind of like battle it out for number two, I guess. And, uh, you know, Doty did very well in practice. So did Ryan. I mean, they, they both did well as far as their reps go. But, you know, it looks like to me like we could probably see Luke Doty uh, – and he got in against LSU. I mean, that was a good run. I wish he would have scored, and I've said that. But uh, he got in um, and played at quarterback. And, you know, I, I think if this thing gets to two and five, uh, if you lose to A&M and you lose to Ole Miss, I think at that point it's like, you know, you, you're not, not anything against Colin Hill, but you, you got to do something. And if that's, you know, adding another dimension to your offense because a quarterback can run the ball – then that's fine. Um, and, and I'm not advocating for that. If, I mean, please don't go say JC said if they get to two and five, they're going to make a switch. No, I just think it makes a lot more sense at that point because I think at that point you're a lot more desperate to find something, you know, and, and I think that it gives you another couple of weeks to, to maybe get him ready behind the scenes, um, you know, as a player. 
if you switch to Luke Doty. But that, that's that's my opinion. I haven't heard anything about them getting away from Colin Hill. Um, Muschamp said the two are going to get reps because it, it's not because of the quarterback competition's opening. It's because it's an open date. Now, there's always things like COVID tests. <laughs> uh, again, this year's a little different. So there's always some things that could have happened, and they're not going to talk about that, okay? They're not going to mention that if Colin Hill tested positive for COVID or not. And I haven't heard that he has, okay? But they're not going to talk about that, you know, right now. Um, and they're already into to game mode and, you know, preparation mode because it's a mandated day off tomorrow on election day. Uh, and so they're already in like their Tuesday practice. So I haven't heard anything about that. But what we'll see, you know, we'll see what happens. But I, I think it's more Doty's probably going to play more. Um, and look, I, I think this too, you know, nothing against Colin Hill, but anytime, and nothing against Ryan Holinsky either, but anytime you can get a guy with some wheels out there and do some different things, I mean, I think it helps your team. Uh, I really do. I think that, uh, you know, you just go with a package every now and then, and, it, it, you know, if it works, that's good. It gives you an extra element and gives you something else uh, to prepare for. Um, and now say this, Mike Bobo's never really done that uh, in his coaching career, but uh, at the same – and he may have – at Colorado State, there may have been some situations like that. But, you know, I, I think just like any other good coach, he's evolving um, – and, you know, going to evolve. And, you know, you look at Luke Doty coming down the pipe. You look at Gunnar Stott coming down the pipe. There's going to have to be a quarterback run game. I mean, uh, and, and I think that's already kind of down the road something that they're looking at. And so that's the take on that. That was sort of the rumor du jour. I mean, and, and we're at the point, too, where you're sitting at two and three during the open date. There's going to be a lot of talk about a lot of things. Um, and look, again, I'm not poo-pooing on that because, you know, I was told it was unlikely, but it may be that I was told that because they're, they're trying to get Hill ready. I mean, I don't know, you know, there could be a lot of things probably would go more, um, you know, uh, you know, go more later, I guess, you know, no more later, I guess that would be the thing there. Never try to pull the tweet deck up when you're trying to explain something because then you lose your words. That's a big thing, too. Um, all right, so the mailbag is uh, rocking and rolling. And you, there's two ways to get to the mailbag. You can tweet to at the Big Spur Pod. And please please uh, follow that Twitter account. So that's good. Um, and Phil says, Hey, those USC fans that want a PJ Fleck are quiet by now. Minnesota got their butt beat by Michigan and then by Maryland. Yeah, I still think PJ Fleck's a good coach. Minnesota's a hard place to play. And again, you know, Phil, I get back to this it's the all conference schedule. You know, you go and you have a huge opener against Michigan. Michigan, most of the time, is good, you know, and I think they're good. Harbaugh's still a good coach. He hadn't forgotten how to coach, and you lose. And then you're on the road and you get it right. And, you know, you're up on Maryland. And then Tua's little brother played his butt off. I mean, as bad as he played against Northwestern and he had some picks and did not do so well, he played that much better uh, against uh, Minnesota. And he lit them up and led them back. I mean, you, you just that, that was just a great performance. So, uh, again, you know, instead of Minnesota getting to play, you know, Mankato State or – Eastern Michigan at home or somebody like that after a big opener, 
they got to go down there to a wounded Maryland team with a dynamic quarterback that's that's ready to beat them uh, in front of no fans or, or you know, 20,000 cardboard cutouts because they did have a lot of cardboard cutouts uh, in Turtleville the other night. But, yeah, you know, hey, P.J. Flex going to get a better job probably at some point unless he just peters out. And, you know, if, if, if some of these guys too now, and I'll, I'll say this, Phil, on this note, and again, I hate to keep talking general college football, but I will. So it's it's difficult. Like, I mean, it, it's it's gutsy. Let's say if you're PJ Fleck and you're Matt Campbell, you know, you're at Toledo, which is a kind of a cradle of coaches kind of deal. We all know who coached at Toledo. Gary Pinkle coached at Toledo. Uh, Nick Saban coached at Toledo for a year. Uh, you know, after Pinkle left, they had a guy shoot. Tim Beckman, who went to he went to Illinois and had some problems there with you know relationships with players and ended up getting fired. And then you know Matt Campbell was in there, and there may be some other guys mixed in that I'm forgetting about. Uh, but Toledo is a place where you usually go and you can win, and then you can get another job. And you're at Toledo, so you take Iowa State. That's a gamble, you know, and it's a gamble that's paying off because Matt Campbell's winning at Iowa State and making plenty of money. Uh, but that's Iowa State. They're in a big – the Big 12, they're kind of an outpost. You know, uh, they they do overachieve, I think, as a program. And I think they did under Paul Rhodes, too, at times. But, you know, it's Iowa State. You know, you're you're not at Michigan State. You know, <laughs> you're at Iowa State. And I thought that was a gamble. And then I thought Fleck at Western Michigan. You know, Western Michigan's nothing like Toledo as far as history and things like that go. But he had built it up and got him to a Power 5 bowl – and he took Minnesota. And so those guys, what, what, what I think there are is like, they're kind of on the clock a little bit, you know, they're kind of like, uh, you know, what happens if those two programs like they normally do kind of start going up and down? Uh, are you going to be the hot name that you once were? Uh, and I think that's, that's the key for those guys is they got to write the ship. Now PJ Fleck gets the Gophers back to a bowl. Nobody's going to care. Um, and Matt Campbell, is competing for the Big 12 right now. You know, and Texas beating uh, Oklahoma State on the road this past weekend, that's one of the ones I won. <laughs> uh, it was big. It was big for the Cyclones and their chances. So, all right, so that's it. Um, Phil has another one on Twitter. Big Spur Pod, didn't we try to get this guy too? He's talking about Trey McBride, tied in from Colorado State. Uh, yeah, you know, the thing with him was he decided, he decided to go back to CSU. I think he was worried the NCAA would not clear him because at the time they were talking about how, like, anybody that opts out or, or anybody whose school has opted out. And at the time, remember, Colorado State wasn't playing. They were like, they're not going to get cleared. Now, obviously, that ended up being not true. But you remember Lane Kiffin talking about it, saying we were told not to even, you know, submit a waiver. Uh, request for anybody that opts out of a school that's to cancel their season. Um, and so if those kind of messages were coming from the conference and the, and the, uh, the NCAA, you know, and you got a guy like this who I think is going to play in the NFL, Trey McBride, eight catches, 130 yards and a touchdown last week. Um, yeah. You know, I'm going to, um, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to back up on that, you know, because I'm, I'm going to want to be eligible. I don't want to come to South Carolina, all the way to South Carolina and sit on the bench. I think he's a in-state kid from Colorado. 
Um, and, and so that's kind of how that went down. And were the Gamecocks interested in him? Absolutely. You know, once he entered the portal, Carolina was able to talk to him. Um, and they'd love to have had him. But at the time, if you remember sort of the what was going on, uh, you know, that's uh, that they probably thought it was just best that he go back. And, you know, they've obviously designed some plays up for him because he, he, he's had a really big game this past weekend. And, you know, I wish him all the best. I think I think that's a good player out there. I think he's really, really good. You know, so we'll see. Again, tweet to at the Big Spur pod if you want to get in on the uh on the podcast so or i mean on the on the mailbag for the podcast inside the gamecocks at gmail.com is the other way you get to the mailbag um and i love answering these questions these uh these are always fun to do uh had a lot of mailbag toward the end of last week uh and um going to continue to read them each and every day uh noah emails in he's a frequent emailer JC, to get away from the negativity, let's talk some Gamecock hoops. The Gamecocks have a veteran team, some with some potential NBA talent and Lawson. How much noise can the Gamecocks make in the SEC this year? I mainly watch NBA, so I'm still trying to gauge how good Gamecock basketball is. Thanks, Noah. Well, the NBA is a good product now. It um, And look, I'm not talking about anything besides the basketball with the NBA because some people are going to yell into their, you know, listening devices about the big you know, there's a lot of opinions about like kind of what they do off the court i'm not talking about that here uh, i think the basketball is much better we went through a period in the nba where the basketball was almost unwatchable then you know, games of the 70s it was it was kind of when, when transitioning from like the jordan era to maybe the kobe era uh but now it's it's a good product lots of i mean lots of good ball being played at that level quality um and I think the college game, at times when you have quick whistled refs, kind of is, you know, in certain games, I'm not saying all games, but in certain games, you know, you're looking at that going, man, it's kind of the same as it was when the NBA was like a rock throwing contest. Uh, but not all the time, sometimes. And the Gamecocks actually play, people think Frank Martin plays this slow tempo. They actually play pretty fast. You know, they actually play pretty fast. Uh, or did or have the last couple of years. Um, you know, I do think AJ Lawson still has NBA talent. I think he made a smart decision coming back uh, last year. I don't want to say he dipped, but he didn't get significantly better. And there were some games where I think he tried to do too much. Uh, Jermaine Cousinard kind of stepped in and became that second guy. Uh, Keyshawn Bryant, if you think about his last seven or eight games, you know, started just playing his butt off and playing kind of how he needs to play, in my opinion. Uh, I thought last year Alonzo Frink, Wildens Levesque, and Jalen McCreary really came into their own and got better and better. Uh, all of them stepped up at different times. I think McCreary has special potential. Uh, I think Frink needs to keep on being Frink. I mean, that Georgia game last year, he, he sort of saved him with a huge game. Uh, you know, and, and I think that Levesque – uh, has a big upside uh, down there on the post. You know, uh, Justin Manaya. Uh, I thought that his injury last year was very unfortunate because – and I keep thinking back, and I don't know if it happened in this game or another game, uh, maybe the next game, but Carolina played at A&M, right, on a Saturday. And that was one of the better – A&M was actually – Carolina swept them and beat them pretty good twice – but Carolina sort of had their number, and they ended up being pretty good under Buzz Williams in their first year. 
uh, eking out some wins, you know, that's that you can expect that from them because he's a really good coach. And, you know, Carolina just went down there and took them out and they were hitting threes. And it was, <laughs> and Justin, I remember thinking that day, Justin Manaya had a good game. And I remember thinking, man, you know, it's just huge when he's scoring and rebounding and playing his game and kind of in his Justin Manaya zone. Uh, Cause that just kind of frees up everybody. I mean, he's a, he's a straw that stirs the drink, so to speak. Uh, you know, and, and so I think him being healthy is huge, uh, you know, along with Bryant. And then you have, you know, in the backcourt along with uh, Cousinard and, and Lawson, you, you're, you're going to have Trey Hannibal, who's back as a sophomore. We'll see, you know, how much he can do. I think he did a good job in the time he played last year. T.J. Moss is back, and I know opinions are mixed on him. But – uh, and, and believe me, you know, I, I, there were game times last year when you'd watch him and you'd be frustrated. But the Kentucky game, you know, he came in there and played some quality minutes and that kind of gave, put them within striking distance. And a game they came back and won thanks to Cousinard's shot there. Uh, one of the greatest moments, I think, the last couple of years in South Carolina's men's athletics was that game. Uh, you know, and then Seventh Woods comes in and you, you kind of see what you get out of him. Obviously, there's potential there uh, and his experience playing at North Carolina, I think it's only going to help, you know, and, and I think defensively from what they've been saying behind the scenes, he's going to be really good. You know, how much noise can they make in the SEC? I, you know, a lot of good teams. Tennessee is going to be really good. LSU, they're going to be really good, you know, and. I don't even like to say that because uh, <laughs> it's just uh, we'll talk about that at some other point. Um, Kentucky's obviously going to be Kentucky. Florida's got some players back. Uh, but then right after that, you know, I, I think the Gamecocks, you know, they, they normally pick Carolina like 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th. And Carolina usually finishes, you know, 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th. Uh, so I think this year they'll be actually picked 5th, 6th, something like that. Uh, Alabama's supposed to be good this year. Nate Oates is doing a good job out there. But they've got players, you know. Everybody's got players. Uh, I think the good news is that, you know, we're going to – the SEC, the last maybe two years, their overall RPI as a league probably hadn't been as good – or their net ranking as a league. Uh, and I think this year you're going to see a stronger SEC. So if you're 9-9, nine and nine, you probably got a good shot at getting in. And and that's a hope, you know. Well, you're talking about picking SEC football. Uh, now you got to go pick SEC basketball in this climate. You don't know who's going to be out, et cetera, et cetera. So <laughs> you don't know what's going to happen. Um, but I do think, uh, uh, I do think that when you look at it, you know, just looking at who's back, you know, Carolina's got a good shot. Now we'll see what happens. I, I would like to see, and I think everybody would, including Frank Martin, them not lose to teams they shouldn't lose to. I think that's tough. And if it happens one year, you know, you're like, well, that year that team was kind of fine in its way. If this happens two years in a row you know, that's kind of a trend you need to reverse. And it's happened two years in a row. So, you know, you got to you gotta reverse that trend. Beat the teams you're supposed to beat. I mean, you know, in 2015, six, 2016, the year before they went to the Final Four, and then in the Final Four year, Carolina was really good in the non-conference. You know, um, Final Four team lost at home to Clemson by two and to Seton Hall, I think at Madison Square Garden by three, without Cinderius Thornwell. And 
I think they lost at Memphis without Sedarius Thornwell too. But other than that, you know, they were pretty good. Then the, the, the other team went 15, started 15 and 0. Uh, now that non-league schedule ended up being not so strong, but you know, that's the point. You got to beat the teams uh, that you need to go beat because uh, it drags your net ranking down. And, and when the SEC is not super strong and I think it will be this year, but maybe not. Um, you know, you, you you can't afford those losses because your conference wins don't boost you up as much as maybe they should. Uh, and so that's the outlook. I'm 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 relatively optimistic about this. Uh, you know, if you look at it incrementally, you know, this team won 17, 16. Last year they won 18. It's time to kind of take a jump now with everybody else back. Health is always going to be important. You know, you can't lose Manaya again like you did last time. And that's uh, – or the last two years, really. So, Justin – you know, Justin's an important part of this team, I think. Rebounding, you know, he's like a Michael Carrera type of guy, you know, glue guy, but a really good glue guy who can stick to three and play defense and rebound and all the things you need. Um, so there's a lot of optimism, and there should be. There's tangible reasons why they should be. Same guys are back. Uh, again, uh, just got to avoid those bad losses. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not trying to downplay the loss of Mike Kotsar either. Cause I thought Kotsar played his best basketball all year last year, as a lot of seniors do under Frank Martin. Um, and, and that is a loss. So I mentioned Levesque, I mentioned, uh, Jalen McCrary, Frank, you know, those guys got to kind of make up for it. Um, you know, I, I think with McCrary specifically, you get a, a kind of a versatile big guy like, uh, like Coates are in the sense that he's versatile. He doesn't have the same game because he's not not the passer out there that Coates are. He's not the big skilled ball handler guy. But um, you do have a versatile big guy in McCrary that can make some things happen. And, you know, maybe they, you know, Levesque gets better and they have that with him. And, you know, I think with Frank, you got a big mauler on the inside that has some skill. Um, so we'll see kind of how they – work around the loss of coats are, but I, I do think it's going to be a good year. Noah, thanks for your basketball question. It's kind of nice. Um, Keith says, just now listening to your second podcast this week at the beginning, you sound like Trip McNeely drinking a warm beer from can't hardly wait. That's a compliment. Your fan, Keith. <laughs> thanks Keith. I appreciate that, man. Um, Derek, what's up JC. I think it's time for Gamecocks nation's favorite award. Gamecock Nation's favorite award, the Sherbys. Midseason best offensive player, best defensive player, most approved, best freshman, best coach, and whoever else you want to hand out some hardware to. What's the best, worst, most likely record for these final five games? I will I will say the worst. It'll be one and four. So they'll finish three and seven. I don't I don't see them losing out, but it could could happen. Uh, I think there's got to be a win in there somewhere, Missouri, Kentucky, Ole Miss. You know, if you want to talk about the teams, they're they're not going to be too big of an underdogs against. Uh, I think I think they'll probably be underdogs slightly on the road at Ole Miss and at the road on the road at Kentucky, but I think they'll be favored against Missouri. So one and four would be the the, the worst, and I think I think four and one would be the best. Uh, I could I could see a scenario when they are they upset A and M, they beat Ole Miss and Missouri lose to Georgia, and then beat Kentucky to finish 6-4. and four. Um, And it's that weird. You know, it wouldn't, wouldn't shock me. Nothing would shock me. <laughs> you know, nothing's going to be a surprise uh, this year. Uh, midseason best offensive player, you know, I, th- I think it'd be, you know, 
I, 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 it would be between Kevin Harris and Shai Smith, but I, I, I'm going to go with Kevin Harris just because, you know, it's nothing against Shy because obviously the, the the passing game would be in trouble without Shy. Uh, but Harris is just he, he's just been so much better than I anticipated, and he and, and he's been so good. It's not just oh well, he's improved. It's like he's he's really really good. Um, so I'm going with him. You know, best defensive player. I think J.C. Horn has to take that one. Game changing plays, even against LSU, he played well. Um, most improved player. Uh, I'm going to go with Eric Douglas because he's played really, really well uh, as a freshman. Uh, I'm sorry, as a freshman, as a center uh, on offense. Uh, if you want to go defense uh, on most improved, I'd probably say, who shoot, John Dixon. I'd want to go in Igbari, but I think John Dixon. I think John Dixon at corner, you know, probably better. Um, you know, if, if you want to get – the most improved defensive player in there. Best freshman. Mm, trying to think <laughs> who would be the best freshman. I, you know, do I go Jordan? Because Birch has been really good. Uh, you know, it, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Yeah. I'd, I'd have to go with Jordan Birch right now. Uh, he hadn't played a lot, but as a true freshman, He's gone out and played pretty well. Uh, best coach, you know, I, 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 and that's tough for me to get into because I, I think I think Mike Bobo has obviously done a great coaching job in game, calling plays. I mean, that's the last. I mean, I, I, I've actually heard people, and I understand the LSU game was frustrating, but I've actually heard people start to blame him for things. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Oh, he just wants to run ball control. Well, they, they have to do that with the personnel they have because you want to go win the game. I mean – Obviously, you look at Mike Bobo's history with offense, and it's not like he did that. You know, it's not like he has a track record of that. They they went vertical plenty at Georgia, threw it down the field plenty at Colorado State. I mean, you know, that's a function of personnel. Um, and it's good that he's able to do that because I, I think it would be a bad situation if they were out there insisting on chunking it all down the field. And I mean, look at what's happened to Mississippi State. Yeah, you got a system like that and things are misfiring, you know, your defense is going to get drug all over the field and, and you're not going to be on staying on, on the field on offense that, that often. Um, and I think what he's done with the run game has been tremendous. But, you know, you want me to do a number one, I, I'm going to go with Des Kitchings because, you know, I don't, I don't know who expected Kevin Harris and Deshaun Fenwick to be averaging six, seven yards a carry this year. But uh, they are, and I know you don't do a whole – I mean, running back's one of those spots where you just let your talented guys go be talented, but you help them with fundamentals. Uh, obviously, I think Fenwick needed to be coached up a bit um, just from what you heard about him early in his career till now. He's running between the tackles better. That is coaching. Uh, and I think Thomas Brown and Bobby Bentley and all the guys that have coached Fenwick before deserve credit for that too. But it's really been kind of a next-level jump. So I'd, I'd go with Des Kitchings. Um, whoever else I want to hand out some hardware to, you know, had they beat LSU, maybe I'd be in the mood to do that. I, I don't want to give any trophies. Um, but Derek, I hope, uh, I hope that answered your question. That was just kind of off the top of my head. So uh, those would be my Sherby awards. That's a good idea. I should brand that and have it here. Cartwright who disagreed with me about Colin Hill says, uh, JC, 
you don't need to worry about disagreeing with me. My feelings weren't hurt too bad, but I think we could all learn to be more agreeable about disagreeing. I agree with that. And you're right, we didn't punt at all. Question, there are some rumors flying around that Doty's getting a ton of reps this week. I don't know about this week. Maybe last week. This week, maybe is the number two. I don't know. And Holinsky may be on the verge of transferring. Well, you know, look, if if Doty passes him and, you know, the, the writing is sort of on the wall. I mean, you know, if you want to be a starter, uh, any truth to any of this, I haven't confirmed any of this with anybody. There, there's some people out there uh, just with anything having to do with Holinsky specifically uh, probably would be better suited to answer than I would because they have some some other connections with him uh, in the media market. Um, but, you know, let's just say that would not be a huge surprise. A person, Cartwright says, I personally like Ryan, but I'm not sure if future is there. For him at USC with Doty behind and then Gauthier and or Gother and Stockton coming in. Maybe he would go to Mississippi State. That would be a cool story. Now, I will say I know this about the Holinskys. That's not going to happen at all. Uh, it's just, no. Based on what happened when Leach was at Washington State, uh, I don't think they're going to – I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, in fact, that would be the least likely, you know, <laughs> in my opinion. Uh, Cartwright goes on and asks, did you get any eyes on the Arkansas Aggies game? A&M's D-line is scary good. I'm worried about Hill with that rushing attack. Can't help but wonder if they're hoping to get Doty in some to keep that D-line on their heels or toes. Yes, I agree with you there. And I agree that it is a concern. They do rush the passer very well. Franks had to kind of get out of trouble a couple of times in that one. Um, So they're good. Shoot, they're good. <laughs> But, you know, the way you combat that, too, is, is you, you you know, people don't like little quick passes, but that's how you – that's how you kind of counterbalance that. You run your screens. Uh, you run your slants. Uh, you run the ball. Um, and uh, I'll say this, you know, I, 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 uh, I think the key there is do you give them time to run your screens and slants and run the ball. <laughs> you know, you got to – because they can come fast. And they do have a good defensive line, just about like everybody does. But I'm with you, Cartwright. I did notice in that game, I was like, man, that A&M defensive line is something else. And they got a good offensive line, too. I mean, they're good on the lines of scrimmage. Uh, so that's going to be a tremendous challenge Saturday night, 7.30 on SEC Network. Um, kickoff, Texas A&M, South Carolina, under the lights in Columbia. All right. Monday episode wraps up quickly, folks. <laughs> uh, sometimes. I don't know why that is. I always look and I'm like, well, you know, do I just not have as much to talk about um, or what? But uh, that's uh, that's the deal there. Thanks for all your email uh, mailbag questions and Twitter mailbag questions at the Big Spur Pod. Just tweet to us, okay? Uh, or email inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. We'll get you right up. I always like to answer every single one of them, unless I have a guest, like I had Keith on last week. And if I have a guest, you know, then we'll kind of push it back. And I'll always get to all of them because I enjoy the participation on the show. Uh, it's basically just me talking. So, it's <laughs> you know, it's good to mix it up and get some opposing viewpoints here, um, you know, especially from those of you that love the podcast. And I certainly appreciate you listening to it. All right, this is J.C. Sherbert signing off. From the Inside the Gamecocks podcast, we will holla at all y'all tomorrow.